Uh, well, how are you now? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> um, yeah, so you called this conversation. What do you want to talk about? I did. I've been thinking. I've been ruminating. Ruminating. Uh, yeah, our conversation yesterday has just been working on me. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll just, I'll just try to paint a picture of it. I, um, this idea of turning over the tables, right? And I guess that really that image has been what's been in my mind, actually seeing a, a picture of that in my head of Jesus throwing over these tables. Yeah. Um, but along with this notion of a project of love, right? That we've been, yeah. uh, that we've been meditating on and, and how those two fit together. Uh, mm -hmm. And then everything we were talking about yesterday with the, the idea of that sort of everything belongs, right? Um, yeah. That we, we receive reality with, with love. We receive the different moments of our lives with love and we bring love and attention to them. Um, so then trying to make sense of that just has led me into a deeper sort of like mystery around things like the turning over the tables, right? Um, so that was kind of the first layer is just that that stark juxtaposition, right? And it's, it's not that you and I are going to solve these things per se, but yeah. to, to try to actually live with that tension, right? And what tension specifically? Well, the, the tension that that sort of says, you know, all things belong. We we embrace the moment with love, but yet right. there are there are still things and times where the tables need to be turned over. Right. Um, right. So so yeah, that contrast. And then there's one other little element to this, which is that was bothering me, which is that, you know, and we weren't saying this exactly, but, you know, Jesus wasn't particularly concerned with the idea that the temple be kept totally holy and separate and pristine, mm. right? Sure. Um, but he did have a problem with injustice and exploitation. So that's that's where the right. tables need to be turned over. But just, just to, you know, the other piece of our conversation was drawing out that there's this it's not holy as separate and Jesus was never right. interested in holiness being something that's held apart and away from the people. Right. And in fact, I think it's Paul who later talks about how what Jesus showed is that the temple isn't this place where God dwells and we have to go to it or we have to purify ourselves to enter it, but that actually we are temples ourselves, that the spirit is right. within us, you know, and so, and that's coming out of Jesus' language about the kingdom of God, oh, God. and uh, and all of that. So these things were spinning in my mind, and I started to think more as well about, well, what are the, where are the places within myself if I'm sort of a temple as well, right? Um, that as much as I receive myself and I go through the project of my life with love. Where are where are there the tables that need to be turned over within me? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. So, well, I think yeah, it's really good stuff. I, um, you know, he said that the temple is not a, a place where God dwells, 
and it is it's just not a, it's just not a building right like yeah. that's the mistake because because even when you're saying it's like if you know if if we do the you know it's so unfortunate too that our body being a temple has turned into one of those religious cliches actually it's a cultural cliche right it's something that the culture has sort of stolen from <laughs> christianity and uh turned it into something that it wasn't but yeah the, the temple is where god dwells whatever we call that right whether it's a building whether it's it's not that it's it's just that it's not just the building and that's where that's where the mistake happened right it was like because that's the rest of the passages that i'll tear this he says i'll tear this uh temple down in three days and rebuild it or whatever and um because it was because that that was the idea was it was he was trying to tear down this limiting idea that god only dwells in the in the physical temple Right. Um, separate from humanity separate and, right you know, right there used to be the curtain right the holy of holies it was behind right. only only the those who had been uh set apart the, yep set apart and ritually cleaned could go near yep yep yeah so yeah so just the fact that all and that's what you and i were talking about yesterday too like the implication of the incarnation is and then we see that play out in Jesus' life in all the stories. And the implication being that is now that division between that sacred thing away and the secular is now abolished because Jesus right. came and he kept talking about, no, you see, it's right around us. It's near. It's it's at hand. Right. And, th and then his followers were realizing, oh, yeah, that's the point. And now he's with us. Right. His spirit is amongst right. us, even within us. Right. Uh, but like you say, but then culture and even like you say christian uh secular culture as well as christian culture kind of pop christianity turns that into some sort of right of its own purity code well or a joke right keeping our bodies holy right and that was never the point either i mean it's kind of it's part of the point right there's a larger picture there of that we're all part of this holy thing and we do have it within us and amongst us right <clears throat> right yeah it's uh it's it's a it's an acknowledgement of a, of an inherent sacredness not of a well let's keep working to make sure we stay holy sort of a thing i mean there's part of it but like it's not you're right it's not a it's not a purity test yes it's that. and it can't be it, it ought not be used to exclude right back to that right phrase we took from roar recently of god jesus came to transform not to exclude yeah see that's so interesting because i think you and i with that phrase that we keep going back to that we read last week sometime, you know, that applies to larger things too, right? It's not, it's so easy to, particularly again, in religious and in secular culture about this idea of who we're excluding, but it's bigger than that too, right? It's, it's the idea that we make something holy by excluding something else, right? And that, and that something is holy due to its potential for transformation, Right. And so like and so the reason that Jesus got so pissed off about these money changers is that that they were excluding people by exploiting them. They were they were charging premiums and they were adding surtaxes on top of things when they knew that people didn't have any other choice, that if they wanted to fulfill their religious obligations and we can talk about the legitimacy of those obligations at some other point. But they had come to be faithful and to express their faith. And these people yeah. were exploiting them because of that. And so therefore it excluded folks. And that's what was taking Jesus off so much. 
And yeah. so the idea was to transform the system. He, he didn't initially say, well, screw the temple. He's yeah. like, no, this is, this is messed up. And so I think that the act of turning over the tables was another example of Jesus attempting to transform uh, a system that excluded. Yeah. And there's a line in there about how his disciples remembered the prophecy of like zeal for your house will consume me. And, you know, <laughs> right. But, but there again, too, we miss the point if we think that it's because Jesus was concerned about the, the temple building or the temple institutions. Like, no, he right. was concerned about the people who were being right. screwed over by these money changers. Right. And not only screwed over financially, but being misled into thinking like their, their understanding of their relationship to God was all tangled up in this disgusting yep. financial jump through the proper hoops, do the right rituals. Right. <laughs> and that's why he was yeah. so mad at the religious authorities too, because they were permitting it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, this is why, again, we, we forget so often that Jesus didn't come to start something called Christianity. Jesus yeah. was thoroughly a Jew. And I don't think he ever had any intention of being anything else, nor would any of his followers be anything else. And like, you know, not to get, we don't want to get stuck in this like supersessionist circle of, you know, uh, the, which is not the com the point of today's conversation. But the point is, is that he, he was there to reclaim the best of the tradition because it had, it had gone amok. And this was yeah. one of the examples of it. But even like the phrases that we use as that we call like Christian phrases, the like, you know, the, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord, your your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are Old Testament ideas. <laughs> like those are yeah. those are from the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. Jesus didn't create those. Um, so I think it's important to remember that too. That like this this conversation could easily be taken as to as just bashing Jewish authorities, which of course you and I are not doing. Um, but I thought it'd be important just to make sure that that's clear that that's not what we're doing. Um, by sort yeah. of re-emphasizing what Jesus was about. And Jesus was about transformation um, because of love, for the sake of love, through love, yeah. rather than continuing a system um, of making things uh, sacred by separation or exclusion. Yeah, amen, man. That's, that's it. And yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, you know, and then back to this other thread of that, too, quickly, the um, the piece that's kind of difficult is where you and I were talking yesterday about. So Jesus shows us this. He transforms thing. He brings up this new awareness. And then when you're living in that, part of that is to recognize that all of life is worthy of love and to be held with love. But that doesn't mean we're just passive either. Right. Right. Like that's where the tables do get turned. And that's where as I then take this and try to apply it to my life and start to really wrestle with like, not only like what are some systems around me that where I feel like injustice is being perpetuated, but then, okay, but look in the mirror too, you know, like, yeah. what about within me, the things I can control my own biases, my own, my own temptations to seek out comfort rather than the hard road of being, a good neighbor, like truly right. a good neighbor, a good citizen within my community that that doesn't just put my own needs and desires first, but 
starts to look at the larger picture of how we're living together. Right. Um, because I can't just accept everything and, and, or not, I don't know if that's how I want to say it. I, it's not helpful or beneficial to me to just be passive and like, Oh yeah. I, and just, it's not about right. just accepting every part of us. There is yeah. there are things the way that, that it is. Be, yeah. There are things that need to be tossed out or turned right. over examined. Uh, <clears throat> we read that thing yesterday where he says, take a sober look at, yeah. at life. So yeah, there's that tension to be held. Um, our lives are a project of love, but sometimes in that project, we need to take a hard look at things and we might need, we might need to uh, turn some stuff over. You know, we might need to actually right. upend some things and it, it might hurt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Within ourselves. I mean, I'm not talking about hurting anyone else, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might, it might hurt to take that <clears throat> sort of. Right. It might be experienced dark. as pain in order to have to undo something. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's tricky too, right? Because our, then that brings in our relationship to pain and where do we need to abide certain things and where should we not, not abide certain things? But yeah, I think I think the your point though is like how often are we just, how often is our decision-making swayed by comfort primarily? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, a lot. A lot, a lot. Well, I was, yeah. and I, and I, spoiler alert, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> well, and I was, and I was telling you about this book that Jamie and I were reading called Thinking Fast and Slow by uh, uh-huh. a guy named Daniel Kenneman. And it's, it's a more, it's more complex, but what he was essentially saying is that like there are two parts of our brain um, in terms of thinking processes. One is fast, one's immediate, you know, first impression type stuff. And is about how to analyze the world around us. It's the part that we use when we're driving, and if someone cuts at us off or whatever, that we know to, we don't have to deliberate about hitting the brake or things like that. And then there's the more deliberative side, and the simplest way to think about that is like doing, doing, um, you know, mathematical functions, right? Anything more than simple arithmetic, that 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 you know our brain engages. And what he says though is interesting is that, is that that deliberative side of our brain. Um, Pre, uh, prefers what he calls cognitive ease. It, even though it's supposed to be the part that does the work, it will still choose, we will choose to take the path, the easiest path. It's just part sure. of who we are. Yeah, and so I think that's the other part too, right? It's not just comfort. It's like, it's where does our brain have to work the least? <laughs> you know? And then at that point, then we say, well, where I don't want to expend extra emotion if I don't have to. Right. And, you know, so anyways, then it goes down this other path, but, um, but that's helpful too. And to recognize that it's just part of how we're built, right. Not to, right. Not to give it a pass, but also not to beat ourselves up and shame ourselves either. Right. Or when we fall into it, um, if we bring awareness to it and can grow from it, great. Uh, but don't get stuck in shaming yourself or others, but just try to try to straighten it out, right? Like try to say, okay, this is an area where I need to do more work. Right. Take the road. Yeah. See it, become conscious of it, and then be deliberate about it. The other piece yeah. that um, from yesterday that I think since we're kind of like expanding and clarifying things, and I think you touched sure. on it a little bit, but this idea of contemplation that we keep using that Richard Rohr uses as a definition for contemplation, this long loving look. Mm-hmm. And I, um, 
which is really, I think, part of what's been working on both of us too. But I think it can be easy to interpret that as being um, permissive, right? That, yeah. that we're just supposed to love everything and love everybody. And we're all gonna hold hands around a campfire and sing songs, right? And like, mm -hmm. again, quickly turning it into a cliche, which is easy then to dismiss it. Um, but it's not, it's not permission giving, actually. The idea is that, is that to contemplate something, uh, to give something a long loving look is to see it as it truly is. And Rohr yeah. would say that without looking at something with love, we will never see it for what it is. Mm. And so I think part of this idea of contemplating, like the turning over the tables, for example, is to be honest with ourselves that it was a system of exploitation. To look at it with love is to look at it honestly. And rather yeah. than trying to cover it up or to make excuses for the money changers or to let let anybody in that story off the hook and sort of say, well, you know, that's what it is or whatever, you know, nothing we can do about it. But it's to be able to say with a, with a loving look, we say, this is what it is. And then through the eyes of love, we are most likely to be convicted about exploitation and say, we can't allow that to stand. Yeah. But if we look at it th through the lens of judgment or if we look at it through the lens of self-interest or through the lens of cynicism, that's not going to allow us to see it for what it really is, nor is it going to stir up that loving response, which in this case was, you know, uh, um, a demonstration of sorts, you know, uh, by, on, on Jesus's behalf. So I think it's just important to remember that when we take something with a long loving look, it's not so that we love everything uh, and become permission giving to things. It's, it's to see it clearly and yep. then to be compelled, inspired, motivated um, to continue that project of love. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's good. It's, um, it's a matter of perception. Um, yeah. To, to see something fully and to say yes, to say, and meaning not in permission, but yes to this is the reality before me. You have to say yes before you can say no. Isn't that something he says as well? Oh, I don't know. It could be. <clears throat> but that goes back into like just this energy or spirit of rejection, right? That, yeah. that if, we're, if we just, like if Jesus, and I think that's important even at this point too, right? It's not that Jesus was just rejecting the money changers. I mean, or unlikely that he was. Because then he'd still, because if you just live in rejection of something, you're still allowing yourself to be defined by it. And that's, and that's when we're not go down the path of politics, but that's one of our issues with our political system these days, that most people are just living in rejection of somebody else's idea, not really understanding what it means to be for something. And yeah. even though this is like Jesus's clearest demonstration of something where he was rejecting something, he did that out of love for the people. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't just uh it wasn't intended to be destructive for destruction's sake. Right. Um, that the system of exploitation was, in, was intolerable. And because of love for the people, Jesus acted um, in a way to work to undo it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's good. I think... Um... I think that wraps it up. I mean, for, for now, I think that 
that puts the the point on it and kind of helps me with what I was wrestling with, which is yeah, how to hold that tension and understand these things. Um, yeah, man. Well, I, and it I is was because go ahead. It is because he was for something, you know, that reminder and this this idea of a project of love. It's because it's what we're about, what we're for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do get in our culture, our society. It is so much about what you're against, but that doesn't, like you say, that doesn't get you anywhere. That doesn't clarify anything. Um, and it doesn't motivate in any sort of healthy way to move or to be transformed, right? Back to that word. Yeah, or to provide an alternative or to create one or to live into an alternative. That's yeah. the part that we miss. If we just reject something, we're still allow ourselves to be defined by it. Yeah. And most people I think would be really upset to know that. We'd have a, <laughs> we, have a, we have a lot of angry people who have these fervent political beliefs that that other side is all wrong. But if that's the only thing that you can really say, then you're still being, you're still allowing yourselves to be defined by those other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that probably would bother some people to hear that. (laughs) Me included. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. No, for sure. (laughs) I wasn't trying to other anyone there. Yeah, most most of us included most of the time, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the hard work, though, right? And, like, I think that's the... And this goes back to you and I have been talking lately about, like, what is the gospel, right? Like, how can we talk about this? And and whatever, however we define it, it is meant to be an alternative. It's not meant to be just another dualistic option of good over evil. It's how do we live in that tension? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you're starting into something that should probably become its own whole series of what is the (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, no, don't. Let's, we could go down lots of rabbit holes. Yeah. No, but for real, we should come back to that one at some point, but in a more intentional. Yeah. Uh, laid out sort of way, but absolutely. All right, brother. Well, I think you have painting to do, don't you? I do. I definitely have painting to do. And <laughs> so, you know, it's Friday now. I just want to make sure you're on the right page here. And yeah, um, as far as your day and what you've got going on, <laughs> is this some sort of? Is, is, <laughs> oh, because yesterday I thought it was Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like... I just want to make sure you're clear. It's a weekend, basically. <laughs> I was like. Are you slamming me just as we get off the call? <laughs> no, I got it now. I got it. Yep, Friday. Loud and clear. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, I love you, man. I love you too. Take care. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye.